Amen. 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 Thank you, Carlos and team, for reminding us of God's great love. And I want to say Happy New Year to everyone. Hopefully, hey, you guys awake out there? Happy New Year to everyone. There we go. That's a little better. Uh, Man, I love that the first day of the year is a Sunday, right? Like what better way to start the new year than to come together and to be together and to just experience God and what he has for us. So uh, you can see the kids are being dismissed to Transformation Station downstairs. Hope they have a great uh, morning. And uh, since it's the new year, I figure we should just go ahead and, and celebrate a few things, right? Like you bring in the new year by celebrating with friends. And we have a lot to celebrate as a church, right? This is always true. But for those of you that were able to come to Christmas at the Chevalier last Friday night, December 23rd, all right, um, it was an unbelievable night. So if you were here, I want you to look around to somebody that wasn't here and just say, you missed it. All right, go ahead. You missed it, all right? Like, that, that, that's like a humble brag, okay? Um, but, but now, just to let you know, to celebrate together, we know many people were traveling, you couldn't make it, understand that. Uh, but it really was a great night. I want to start off today by thanking all of our volunteers that made it happen, from music to AV to first impressions to the reception, the food, the kids' activities. Hey, it was awesome to see more than half of our guests were brand new to Redemption Hill. And that was one of the main reasons we put this on for our city is so that more people could be exposed to the message of Christmas. So uh, thank God for what he did with Christmas at the Chevalier. And then one other celebrate, um, Redemption Hill, you gave over $2,500 to our Great Commission offering. These churches that we prayed for around Greater Boston and missions around the world so that the news of Jesus can be spread, we gave a special offering in December, that goes straight to uh, missions here and around the world. So thank you for contributing to that as well. Well, listen, I love the start of a new year because every new year provides a fresh opportunity for a fresh start, right? I mean, who, who, doesn't, who doesn't need a fresh start, kind of a reset in life? And this is true in so many ways, but it's, it's also true for us spiritually, right? I mean, we, we, we all can use a moment where we kind of hit the refresh button and get a fresh start in life. And so to kick off this new year, as you've heard, we're going to start a new book and a new series from the book of Philippians. We're calling this Jesus People, all right? And you're going to see, as we move through this series, you're going to see why we're calling it Jesus People. So if you have a Bible or you want to turn on your Bible app, uh, go to the book of Philippians on the Bibles we provided for you. It's page 980, and we're going to work our way through this letter over the coming weeks. Now, uh, what you need to understand from the outset is this this letter did not appear out of thin air, okay? There was a, a fascinating man by the name of Paul who once persecuted Christians, okay? He actually, he actually hated Christians, wanted to take them out, imprison them, even gave approval to their death. Well, that was the case for Paul until one day Jesus met him in a blinding light and turned his world upside down. So much so that Paul, who once persecuted Christians, became the greatest proclaimer of the message of Jesus that the early church knew. And so Paul was a missionary. That means he he went to, to different cities 
spreading the, the news about Jesus, what Jesus had done in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. And so on his second missionary journey, Paul made it to the city of Philippi. And he saw people become Jesus people. People who didn't believe in Jesus came to believe in Jesus, and they started following the way of Jesus. And, and Paul, even though he had long departed, he still cared about these people deeply. So much so that 10 years later, as he's sitting probably in a prison in Rome, he pens a letter back to these people known as the Philippians. And so being in prison could not stop Paul's love for them, nor could it stop their love for him. Because what occasioned this letter was actually a gift that the Philippians sent to Paul to encourage him to, to lift his spirits, to meet his needs through a man named Epaphroditus. And we're going to read about him later in this, this letter. But, but Paul then, because he had received this gift out of gratitude and in a way to encourage them to continue on, he writes this letter back to the Philippians, and that's what we have here today in this little letter. So, so as we start the new year, I think it's awesome that the, the first words that Paul gives us in this book are actually a prayer. And so this morning, I want to talk to us about a great way to pray. And so if you would, follow along or, or listen very carefully as I read these first 11 verses for us. This is what Paul writes. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We might be tempted at the outset of this letter to think Paul is just kind of playing a little pastoral card, okay, as, as, as someone who cares for these people. He introduced them to Jesus like, hey, since I'm writing them a letter, it would be a good idea to pray for them. So I'm just going to kind of give this like little courtesy prayer on the front end, and then I'll get down to business, all right? Like, so we might think that Paul's kind of up to that kind of game, but Paul isn't playing games, okay? This prayer is his business, 
All right? So much so that what he prays here for them sets the tone for the entire letter that follows. Okay? So, so basically, if you pay close attention today, you're going to see that these themes that Paul lays forth in his prayer are going to come up again and again and again. He wants to see these Jesus people grow in becoming more like Jesus as they maintain and increase this unity that they share and this joy that God has placed in their hearts. Now, I'm so glad that we decided, all right, and I was obviously part of this decision um, with, with our other pastors, we just bounce off ideas with them, and, and I'm so glad that we chose to start Philippians today. I'm so glad that the theme is prayer, because if any of you were to ask me, hey, Tanner, how can I this year take some huge spiritual steps forward in my kind of relationship with God, what would be a key to that? I would automatically say foundational to anyone, including myself, taking some huge spiritual steps is relating to God through prayer and receiving his word. And so we're going to talk about the word next week. Today, we're going to talk about prayer and how we can prioritize prayer in our lives. And so my main encouragement for you this morning is this. Prioritize prayer because of the partnership we share. All right, now, look, I'm not going to rap that, all right? But that that rhyme, that's pretty good, huh? I mean, I I might rhyme all our points this year, all right? In the 2017, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like... Prioritize prayer because of the partnership we share. Now, most people would agree that it is basically impossible not to pray. Okay, just just think about it. There are needs that go beyond us that we look to our own resources and the resources around us, and we say we don't know how we're going to get this thing done. We're not going. We don't know how we're going to reach our destination, and so we cry out for help to God that He might help us through. I mean, even some people who don't believe in God or don't yet believe in God would readily admit that they find themselves praying in moments of crisis. But as we think about prayer and what prayer is, it's more than just having our needs and desires met, okay? Like God is not just a cosmic kind of Santa Claus that delivers the goods that we want, right, in prayer. But God is a God who we can relate to as a friend and as a father. So so prayer is more about just putting requests out to God, but it's about relating to God while at the same time having this highest sense of respect and devotion to Him. So if you're you're new to prayer, uh, maybe maybe you've never never really prayed before, uh, let me just describe prayer for you, okay? Prayer is simply communication with God. Prayer is is talking to God and, and expressing what's on our hearts before him. Tim Keller puts it a little more nuanced. He says this. He says, prayer is continuing a conversation that God has started through his word and his grace that leads to a full encounter with him. So, so they feel like, hey, sign me up with, for, for an encounter with God, for this kind of full, dynamic, engaging, not boring, but adventurous encounter with God, then prayer is going to be a part of that. 
George Herbert was a a poet uh, back in England several hundred years ago, and and he said that prayer is the paraphrase of the soul. Think about that. Prayer is the paraphrase of the soul. It's how we express what's deep within us to God. Our hopes, our dreams, our gratitude, our desires. Prayer is vital, and it should be a vital part of our lives. But, but if we were honest, if we were just kind of like in just kind of like a coffee you know, table conversation, and we were to say like, hey, you know, like, yeah, we value prayer, and it's really important, but, but if, if I'm being honest, my prayer life is, is not very consistent, and it oftentimes doesn't have a very high quality. And if we were to take it a step further, if we were being like very, very honest, we might say that my prayer life often resembles a game of charades. Has anybody, anybody played charades before? Um, this just kind of came back to me this week because uh, our five-year-old daughter, Kessid, uh, received uh, a game of charades. So charades, like you, you grab a card and then you pull the card out. You don't let anyone else see. And, and you see here uh, the, the person or uh, the object or the, the animal, hey? Um, and, and you then, without words and, and noises and sounds, you then act out, okay, what is on the card. Anybody know? what I am right now? I'm a baseball player. Thank you very much, right? That one was an easy one. You got it. All right. Um, how about this next one? I'm not going to act like a kangaroo up here, all right? Sorry. Um, but, uh, but, 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 but the point is, right, we, we act out something that we're not, we're not in reality. That's not who we are, right? And I think that the same can be true of, of prayer, right? We, 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 we kind of, like we would say, like, you know, we value it, but, but, but in our spiritual lives, we, we're really going through the motion. I mean, in, in reality, there's not much reality there. And so, listen, there, there is encouragement for us. We, we all feel like, man, Tanner, that kind of stings, and it's like the new year, happy new year, thanks a lot for, like, going there, charades, call my prayer life a charade. Um, listen, listen we, we all can move forward in this thing we know as prayer. There's not one of us, myself included, who doesn't, who doesn't experience ups and downs in the consistency and quality of my prayer life. And so what I want to do is give you three encouragements that will motivate us to move beyond the charades of prayer and really engage with God, really encounter God in this new year in a fresh and consistent way, okay? So let me give you these three encouragements this morning, all right? Number one, what we're going to see in these first six verses is that we can thank God for our partnership through Jesus, all right? We can thank God for our partnership through Jesus. This word partnership is a key word in the book of Philippians, all right? And it had commercial overtones, In other words, when two people decided through a common vision and purpose to join in together in a business venture, they were then in partnership, right? So like maybe you, like here's just an example, for instance, you could bring your one point to not dollars, but, but billion dollars to the table. And, you know, I could 
bring my monopoly money to the table and put my $1.2 billion on the table. And then we could go to John Henry and see if he would sell his $2.3 billion operation known as the Boston Red Sox. Like We could see if he would sell it to us so that we can be in partnership together through owning the, the Boston Red Sox. That, that would be a lot of fun, right? That would be a major venture that we could engage in together, partnered up in this business deal. And that's what Paul's describing here. And, and listen, I, I know it kind of sounds like an overstatement. We're talking about $2.4 billion. And, and like, but, but the God, like, but, but what Paul's talking about here is of greater value than, than that. He's saying we've been locked locked in together in a joint unity to live as Christ would have us to live and to experience all that Christ would have us to experience. And so he he talks about partnership and he says, look, true partnership is only found in Christ. We see this in the opening words. He's, He's writing to all the saints in Christ Jesus. The word saint describes someone who is all in with Jesus, okay? They, they place their faith in Jesus. Sometimes we, we think about the word saint as being like some kind of super Christian or someone that gets a title after they, they die, all right? But the word saint in the Bible is someone who has just placed their faith in what Christ has done for them through his life, death, and resurrection. And so if someone is, is a saint, they are all in with Jesus. They are, as Paul says, in Christ. Paul loves this phrase, in Christ. He uses it over 80 times in his 13 letters in the New Testament. And so a a, a saint is a a Christian. A Christian is someone who has received grace from God. Grace is a gift that we do not don't deserve, but that we richly receive because of what Christ has done. And the result of receiving God's grace is God's peace. Now we have peace with God, and we can have peace with one another, and peace in life that, that is unexplainable to those that have yet to experience it. And so this happens because of, of what Christ has done. Let's, don't miss this. True and deep fellowship is a result of Christ and his work in us. If, if, if you want your friendship or your marriage or any kind of relationship that, that, that you enjoy to, to really go deep and be all that it can be, that is going to be found through sharing Christ in common. I mean, think about what, what's going on here. Was Paul a Philippian? Absolutely not. Paul was actually a Jew. They were separated by ethnicity. They were separated by geography. Paul's in Rome. He's writing back to them. Okay, Most of the Philippians probably didn't enjoy the educational experiences that Paul enjoyed in his upbringing. But listen, all of these apparent separators were not actual separators because Jesus obliterates everything that could separate us, and he brings us back together in a way that no one or nothing else could. True partnership is is found only in Christ, and this should bring us joy. He goes on after verse 3, and and he says, Always in every prayer of mine, making my prayer with joy. Like children bending the ear of their loving Father, we can come to God with 
confidence and freedom and joy because he loves us so much. So, so let me just ask you, like, is that your attitude in prayer? Like, is prayer something like, man, I know I should be uh, praying more, or is like prayer, this is what I want to do? Is prayer more of a duty, or is prayer more of a delight? Let me, let me ask you this. Um, how often, how, how often do you smile when you pray? Like, like, if, if we are praying with joy, then that joy should probably be, be evidenced in our disposition, right? Like, we, we're, we're approaching God. God wants us to, to come to him. And so we can pray with joy and, and, and freedom uh, in light of what Christ has done for us. And then, and then finally, true partnership is focused on the gospel. We see this in verses 5 and 6. He goes on, he says, because of your partnership in the gospel, I'm praying with joy from, listen, from the first day until now, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says, look, from the very first day that you heard the message of Christ, that says this man, Jesus, was more than a man. He was God in the flesh, fully God and fully man. And he lived a perfect life, the life that you and I should have lived before God, that God wanted us to live, but we couldn't live. We, we, we felt at it miserably. Jesus lived that life for us, and then he died in our place. He died the death that we deserve to die. So that if we would look to him and place our faith in him, we can experience the life that God wants us to have. And so when, when that clicks and we see like we could never do enough to earn our way back to God, but God has done everything to make that way for us through Jesus, and we believe that, we are brought in to Christ. We are made new, and, and, and our lives really start, like truly start from the inside out. They start that day, that first day. And so Paul would, would, would have memories with these Philippians of, of Lydia. We, we read about Lydia earlier. She was the first follower of Jesus in Europe, this, this businesswoman named Lydia. And then we could go back to Acts 16 and, and read about uh, when Paul and Silas, this fascinating story, when Paul and Silas were, were uh, imprisoned uh, for uh, sharing the, the news of Jesus. Uh, they were imprisoned, and, and God made the walls of the prison shake, and the jailer is, thinks he's about to lose all the prisoner. He's about to take his own life. And Paul says, hey, look, chill out. We're all here. He tells them about Jesus, and the Philippian jailer becomes another one of Jesus' followers from the first day until now. So let me just ask you, have you experienced your first day? Have you experienced the life that Jesus lived and died and rose again to bring you? And listen, if you're not quite there yet, like what better first day than the first day of this year? Just to say, look, like, now I understand what God has done for me through Christ, and, and now I want to take that step and be all in with Jesus. From the first day until now, God is faithful 
to complete what he starts. And so listen, whenever you're first, like, as you're thinking about your first day, like, that should bring some gratitude in your heart, right? That should bring some joy and excitement for what God has done for you through Jesus. And, and, and the awesome thing about God is that he is going to complete this good work that he has started in each and every one of us. Verse 6 is probably one of my favorite verses in the book of Philippians. He says that, that, that he who began a good work, that's God, right? God who began a good work is going to be faithful to bring it to completion. I mean, how many of us struggle to oftentimes finish what we start? Anybody struggle with that? Like, anyone ever set some goals? Like, hello, New Year's. Anyone, like, set a New Year's resolution and already, like, failed on it, like, six hours into the whole thing? Like, any, you, know, like you don't have to raise your hand, right? That would be kind of sad. Um, but but we, we, all, we all struggle, right, to, to finish what we start. I mean, I'll just be transparent. Like, uh, you know, the past several months, I've been telling my friends, all right, just, you know, people that, that I trust, you know, that I know won't make fun of me and stuff like this. Um, I've been telling them, like, I'm going to start working out three, three times a week. Why y'all laughing, all right? I, has that happened yet? No, all right? It hasn't happened yet, but, but, but sh- sh- will it happen? It better happen, you know what I'm saying? Because I just had that, that white chocolate cheesecake with a caramel drizzle for my birthday. And, and, and while since, since I'm being transparent up here, I want to make a confession to all our Christmas dinner guests on December 25th that I, had, I hid that joker in the fridge, all right? Like, I didn't bring that thing out. We had some other dessert, so I didn't even share that, that thing um, because I, I basically ate the whole thing myself, all right? So I really need that. Y'all, y'all, we're talking about prayer. You guys pray for me. I need some three times a week in my life. Um, but, so here, here's, here's the great news, though, right? Where we fail and fail miserably time and time again, when we wouldn't even extend mercy to ourselves in light of all of our failures, God extends mercy to us. God gives us more grace. God gives us more strength. And he will finish the good work that he begins in each one of us. I mean, this, is, this verse is so crucial. It's probably why one of my good friends, actually, when you hear him pray, you'll probably hear this verse pop up about 80% of the times when he prays. Like, as he's praying for people, he ends by saying, God, I'm thankful that you who began a good work in, the, in this person, in these people, you'll be faithful to complete it. So let's know that the true partnership is, is founded on the gospel. We can thank God for that. But then, but then next, what will fuel our prayers? Right, like a car is fueled by gasoline or like some of you cool cats have, you know, electricity pushing your cars forward. Um, but, but most of us, for us, it's like gas. Um, like what is the fuel that will make prayer run? What is the fuel that will make partnership run? Paul says it is the fuel of love. Secondly, we need to see that we can let love be the driving force of our prayers. Look back at verses 7 and 8. Paul says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers of grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So so love flows from the heart, right? Like, um, 
some of you was like, Tanner, this is nice. This is Paul. He was really tight with Jesus. And so he could say, like, I hold you in my heart. You're very dear to me. And I'm thinking, like, people were more, like, on my nerves than in my heart. Like, what am I to do with that? But for Paul, what he did is he allowed the love of Jesus to flood his heart to the point where it just naturally overflowed for those people around them. And so, so here, here's a question, right? Like, if, if you struggle to, to love the people around you, like, you even, we even struggle at times with, with conflict and differences of opinion in, in the life of, of a church family, right? And so, so here, here's, here's what will help you, all right? Here's what helps me. Um, whenever, whenever I struggle to love someone, I remind myself, hey, Jesus died for this brother or sister. Jesus shed his blood that we might be part of the same family. And so if Carlos is in Christ's heart, then Carlos is in my heart, right? Like if, if, if Renee is in Christ's heart, then you better know that she's in my heart, right? Like this is the way that Paul was rolling in his life. This is the way that we should roll as well. Our love flows from the heart, and our love is built on shared trust. Paul's saying, look, like when I'm in prison, it's like you're there with me. You're, you're supporting me. You're caring for me. You're, you're keeping up with me. You're sending people hundreds of miles to, to bring me gifts. And this mission of like making Jesus known, you're all in on that. And so here's a beautiful thing about, about being in Christ. There is part of a reality that this happens automatically. Like I met some, some people this morning that we have a, a shared bond just because of Jesus, and it, and it happens automatically, right? At the same time, it's built over time. It increases over time. So, so because Paul had experienced all of these things with the Philippians, there was this shared trust that then increased his love for them over time. And so here's just one implication for you to consider, right? We live in a day and age where most people find it hard to commit really to anything for long periods of time. This is why oftentimes in, in, in the kind of church world, people will kind of like hop from one church to the next, right? Like, man, you know, the, the preacher, he's kind of lost his touch, you know, it's not as good, like maybe I'll check out this other church or, you know, the music or what, like, and so, but, 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 but listen to this. If, if we stick this thing out together for the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, you know what's going to happen? Your love for God and your love for the people in this room, it's going to go through the stinking roof. You know what I'm saying? Like, God builds us up over time to love one another more deeply when we share life and do life together. So our love flows from the heart. It's built on shared trust. And finally, it's defined by Christ. Look back at verse 8. This Paul just, again, he, he just kind of keeps going at this. And he says, look, God is my witness. He's like, I'm not playing games here. Um, I yearn for you all. Like, I deeply desire you and what's best for you. And I do it with the affection of Christ. 
So Paul's saying, look, like Jesus said, love as I have loved you. And Paul's saying, look, this is how I love you. I love you with the love that God has put in my heart, the love of Christ. So again, you say, like, Tanner, that's, that's tough, man. That's a high standard. Like, how do I even begin to take steps in that? Well, how we take steps in that is by spending more time with Jesus, right? Like getting to know him more, being filled with him. And as he fills us up, then we are able to distribute that love to others. So let love be the driving force of your prayers. And then finally, listen, this is, this is where we're, what we're going after here. I love this. I love verses 9 through 11. We are praying that the picture of Christ would be formed in the people we're praying for, right? Pray for others to become a picture of Christ. And so, listen, I just want to read these verses again, then I'm going to break them down for us as we wrap up our time. But, but if, you, if you struggle, like, man, I, I know I, I should pray, I want to pray, I don't even know how to pray some days. Listen, here's, just a, here's a nice little tip, all right, a little, little life hack for you, spiritually speaking. You can just take the words of the Bible, and you can just pray them. You can just repeat them, and when you're sincere in your heart, you can pray, you can, you can pray hey, um, I'm praying for, for Lionel, that his love would abound more and more, right? For, for Chris, with, with knowledge and all discernment, so that Teresa might approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Sky filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so you can, you can just pray that verbatim, or you can use each one of these phrases kind of a, a launching point to pray on that, that particular theme that's loaded in that, that phrase. What a great way to pray. And so Paul says, look, I, I want to see their love just grow exponentially. I want to see it abound, like go beyond and just grow more and more and more and more. But this picture of this like successive waves of love compounding and growing in their hearts is according to wisdom and knowledge. So, so it's our knowledge of God, like Love without truth is just sentimentality, right? Uh, but, but love with truth is powerful. And so we need to know God. We need to know God's design for our lives so that we can then discern what Paul says is, is excellent. So, so listen, think about your life. Think about 2017 and all that lies ahead in your friendships, in your family, in your workplace, in your neighborhood. Listen, you are going to, without question, make thousands and thousands and thousands of decisions from January 1st to December 31st of 2017. And you are going to need the grace of God and the discernment from God that's, that's flowing out of your love for him and your love for people to help you differentiate between what is right and what is wrong and what is good from what is best. So listen, this prayer is a prayer that God would help us to prioritize things in our life and we would know what to say yes to and know what to say no to. 
this prayer is, is one that will help us know how to, to, to invest in friendships, to manage our money, to spend our time. What a comprehensive prayer that Paul lays out here. They help us to make decisions that honor God and, and are obviously, if they honor God, they're going to be helpful for us, right? This is how God orchestrates his world. But you say, well, Tanner, why is this so important? Well, well, listen, verses 10 and 11, they spell it out. Like, number one, we, we don't have to fear standing before God at the end of our lives and, and fear his judgment. We can actually joyfully anticipate that because we're prepared because of what God has done in us. He's made us righteous, right with God through his sacrifice on the cross. So we can, we can joyfully anticipate that day, number one. But then number two, what this is getting at and what Philippians is really honing in on is that God wants us to make us like Jesus. Now, this is, a, this is an amazing, like, miraculous, don't just, like, we hear that in church, we kind of toss it to the side, right? Like, and we're like, man, I'll never make, meet that standard, so I'm not going to, like, try too hard. Um, no, God is making each one of us. If we have gone all in with Jesus, he is making us more like him. So, so uh, for Paul to, to say, I pray that you would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. What he's saying is like, God, I pray that, that this picture of Jesus, you would make these people who often don't look like Jesus, right? Like me and you, we're kind of like over here. And he's like, God, I pray that you would make them like him. Have you ever taken a picture and it turns out Blurry. Like just maybe the, the lens was out of focus or there wasn't enough lighting. Like I have this experience, not with pictures, but with FaceTime, right? Every time I FaceTime my parents, I have to coach them on how to get under the light so that the, the screen, like so we can actually see them and the picture will be clear. Anyone have the struggles that I have in life? You know, it's like a big one, but I'm just saying like you got to coach some people on lighting, and so I, I, I better go cash that Christmas check, all right, so they don't, you know, I'm just playing. I love my parents, but they need some help with FaceTime. But, 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 but lighting and focus can make a blurry picture very, very clear, right? And so I would just say, like, how, how clearly are we giving the picture of Christ to the world? It's, it's a picture, I'm sure, that is coming into focus with greater clarity as hopefully each day passes, right? This is the privilege that we have to picture forth a clear picture of Jesus. This is what Paul is after. This is why he would say, as you've heard multiple times today in Philippians 1.21, you can look down if you'd like. He says, for me to live is Christ. Like, everything about my life is Jesus. Like, Jesus is the source. Jesus is the, is the means by which I'm going about my life. Jesus is the goal. He is what I want my life to be driven by and defined by and destined for. Jesus is our life. So we're praying that we would grow into that picture, that we would reveal that picture to those around us. And then, and then finally, this is all. Listen, this is all 
Not so that people can say, wow, what a great job. You tried so hard. You did so great. You were so, so generous and kind. And, and look what you have done. No, this is to say, look, God did that in you. And so he finishes with this one phrase that is so crucial. He says, all this results to the glory and praise of God. So what if I, what if I told you that my prayers for you in 2017, that you were not the ultimate aim of my prayers. Like, God, I want you to do these great things in them, and I want you to finish what you start, and I want you to increase their love, and I want you to, to be discerning, to be able to make great decisions so they'll be more like Jesus. But, but, but I want you to do all of that so that people will know not how great they are, but how great you are. Is, is that all right with, with you? That, can, can we, like, it, that's, that's the goal. That's what we're after here. And so what, what I want to do is, is just, I thought it would be appropriate to conclude our time as we think about a great way to pray in 2017 for us to actually pray together. And so if you would, bow your head just for a moment. Even if this is your first time, you've never, you've never prayed before in your life, you want to give it a shot, let's just bow our head, and just for a moment, I want you to envision what would happen in your life this year if you prayed like this for not only yourself, but for people around you. What might God do in your life? How might your life be more productive and fruitful and according to God's design? How might your faith be stronger and your love be more abundant? How might your life bring God more praise? God, we pray that you would help us to pray. God, we, we ask that you would flood our hearts with love for you and for one another in light of the love that you've poured out toward us through Jesus, that we would actually prioritize this by penciling it in on our calendar in 2017, that we would do more when we get together to, to hang out or to shop or to eat meals or to watch games, that all that is great, but, but God, help us to also get together to pray in 2017 to prioritize this. Lord, we want to know you more. We want to be partnered together in such a unified way that the city of Medford and the city of Boston is, is not the same because of what you're doing in our lives. So God, I pray that the work that you have begun in each person's heart, that you would continue it, that you would be faithful to complete it, and that you would do it all for the sake of your name and your glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.